open your Bibles this morning, the very first passage that we're going to be in this morning is found in Mark chapter 1. So if you'll make your way there, I am continuing in a sermon series that I'm calling We Are Disciples. And in the past couple of weeks, I have uh, helped you to understand a framework for discipleship and disciple-making called Four Chairs Discipling. And uh, I've talked about that so much, I've told you we're going to continue to talk about that, continue to let that be part of kind of our uh, nomenclature here or part of our language. And I want to test you a little bit this morning. I want to see how much you've uh, taken in so far. So I've got the four chairs up here. And remember, each one of these chairs represents one of the calls that Jesus gives to His disciples. And so it starts off and progresses forward as He gives increasing uh, measures of invitation to His disciples. Chair one is the call or the invitation from Jesus. That is, does anybody remember? Come and see. That's right. Come and see is the very first call. And it's the lowest end of all the calls. In fact, it doesn't really require much commitment at all. All it requires is for somebody to come, hang out, and explore who Jesus is. If somebody comes to know Jesus as their Savior, then He has another call to them. And what is His call then? Follow me. You got it. Number two is follow me, and that's the point at which there begins to have some depth to your understanding of who Jesus is, who you are in Jesus, the practice of some of the things that we might call spiritual disciplines, uh, like reading the Bible and prayer and uh, worship, all of those things begin to become new practices in a person's life when they're in chair two. Chair three is another invitation, and what's that invitation? That's it, fishers of men. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. And so fishers of men is the third seat, and it's the one in which you're paying attention not only to your own spiritual life, but you're beginning to now say, hey, there are a bunch of people around me who have yet to find Jesus, and I would love to be one that introduces them. And so you begin to take an interest in people's lives around you, and you learn more about how to tell others about Jesus. And then chair four is the final chair and the final call, and what is that one? Does anybody remember? Yes, somebody said it, bear fruit. So Jesus says, go and bear fruit, and when you're in the seat of bearing fruit, not as if you can't bear fruit in chairs two and three, but especially in chair four, you're beginning to practice giving your life away to others, mentoring others, discipling others, and transferring the life and the faith from one generation to another generation. All right, you did very well with that. I want to tell you that that's going to be in the background a little bit for us, but we're taking a turn today, and the turn is now that we're going to be investigating individual topics that uh, flow through all the aspects of discipleship. We're going to go a little deeper on some of the things that are essential to healthy discipleship and healthy disciple making, and as we do that today, there's something I want to really bring to your mind. It's something I brought to my own mind in the past weeks. And the thing that I want to bring to your attention is, is that Jesus would oftentimes go away and pray. Jesus would go find a solitary place to go and pray. The passage I want to bring to your attention is where your thumb is right now in your Bible, Mark chapter 1. But let me just tell you the context of this passage before we read it. The context of the passage is that Jesus has been in Capernaum and He has been uh, healing and throughout the entire village. In fact, proverbially, Mark says, everybody was standing at the door. I, I doubt the whole city was there, but you get the idea. Jesus is so popular. Everybody wants a piece of Him because He's healing all these people. He's doing miracles. And so you know, everybody can't wait to spend time with Him. 
And this is what Mark records, Mark 135, if you have your Bibles, but I've also put it on the screen for you. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So get the idea here, again, Jesus has been healing people all day long the day before. I, I'm saying it's probably a day of, of excitement, it's, but it's a day of exhaustion. And before everybody else can get up the next day, Jesus is off and he heads off to a solitary place to pray and everybody kind of panics. Where's this guy gone? And so Peter says, you know, we're going to go hunt for him. So they all hunt him down and they say, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. What are you doing? And of course, his answer is, you know, hey, I'm spending time with the Father here. And I, and I can say why everybody was looking for him because, again, he was the popular guy in the entire city and everybody wanted to spend more time with him. Have you ever wondered, if Jesus is fully God, why does he need to go and pray? Why is he doing that? I will tell you that there are many other passages that say, almost this exact thing, that Jesus has spent time going away and drawing close to His heavenly Father. Let me give you just a few of those examples. There are many, but let me just bring some to your attention, starting with Mark 6, 46. It says, after leaving them, He went up on a mountainside to pray. Matthew 14, 23, after He had dismissed them, He went up on a mountainside by Himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Luke 6, 12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent that night praying to God. So you see the pattern with all these passages. It's easy to pick up. Jesus withdrew and prayed all of the time. And so I'm back again to the whole question, why? If Jesus is God Himself, then why is He going to pray to the Father? And what's going on here? Well, Jesus is fully God, but He's also fully man. And when Jesus steps onto this earth, there are certain aspects of His deity that He temporarily suspends or chooses not to operate. Can I give you one of them? It's, this one it makes all kinds of sense. It's very easy. God is omnipresent, meaning God can be anywhere at any time and all places at all times. That's one of the things uh, about God. Jesus suspended that aspect of himself when he took on flesh. He wasn't everywhere all at once. And he said, although that's my capability, although I've existed that way in the Trinity with the Father, I've been the Son, we've been in community with the Holy Spirit from eternity, I've chosen while I'm in this flesh to suspend that right or that opportunity or that uh, part of my being. Jesus is praying well, he's praying because he has an intimate relationship with the Father that he wants to continue. In fact, I think that perhaps the next verse, John 6, 38, says it best. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so Jesus' entire purpose is to know the Father and to intimately know his will, to commune with him as he always has, in order that he might completely carry out all of the will of the Father. Now, again, 
if that is the case, if Jesus is so much uh, intimate with the Father, if He's so much uh, one who is, is always walking with the Father, if that's what He does so naturally, then how much more do I need this? How much more do you need this? Jesus is demonstrating something very clearly for us. Prayer is the oxygen of our spiritual lives. Prayer is that conduit, is that way that we come close to the Father and it's impossible to really communicate with the Father outside of prayer. And Jesus demonstrates that for us uh, all the time uh, in the way that He is leading life. Now again, as we look at that today, I will just tell you, I think prayer is very countercultural. It's not something that is highly embraced in our society today. When was the last time any of you saw a Netflix program in which a character went away to pray? I mean, it just, it doesn't happen. Can you imagine the Grammys and the lead song of the year that's sung on the Grammys is about going away and drawing close to God in prayer? I mean, it just doesn't happen. That's not where our world is today. And so our world is, is well, it's in a different space. At the best, prayer would be seen as non-important. And at the worst, it would be seen as bizarre or it would be seen as weird. Only people who are weird do that. And so we're swimming upstream when we say that we are called to be people of prayer because, well, our society doesn't much embrace what we are called to embrace. We also know that if you've had any personal opportunity to pray, which I'm assuming most have tried to do that here today, <laughs> it's not always easy. Prayer can be elusive. It can be a challenge and it's, it's difficult at times. This is something that I wrote in my journal a few years back. This is what I said. Lord, I admit to you that prayer is often hard and confusing to me. Sometimes I pray and don't hear or feel your presence. At other times, I fall into the habit of praying and praying my agenda and my list rather than praying to hear you and draw close to you in relationship. And I bet most of you have had that kind of feeling before. Because here's the thing about prayer. Prayer can make us all feel like beginners because it's just, it's just that, that hard for us to do at times. Prayer can make us throw up our hands in despair and say, I just can't do this. And so again, it's, it's bringing us all back to the cross. It's bringing us all back to the spot of real need. Prayer is something that you will never conquer. Prayer is something that you will never completely master and perhaps that's especially true because God is not somebody that we master. He's the master, we're not. And so it's always this spot that's, well, it's, it's bringing us back to humility. It's bringing us back to dependence. Prayer is simply the medium by which we communicate with God. So prayer is not the end in itself. It's the medium that we use in order to pray to God. I, I want to give you an example here because it's so much like human conversation. And I want you to imagine from I want you to imagine for a moment that you're going to a family meal, and in that family meal you say, I'm going to focus on conversation today. And so again, you're going, okay, what's the words that I'm using? What's the syntax of that? And and who am I looking at at the point at which I'm communicating? If you want to have good communication, that's never what you do. You go to that family meal and you say, I'm focusing upon the people that are at this meal. And the language that you use is simply the conduit to care for those people around you. Imagine this, men. For those of you who are married, imagine you tell your wife, I really want to develop a relationship with you, but I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> I'm not thinking that's going to go too well for you. 
because all kinds of communication is needed and wives need communication, some much more than others. And so again, you are going to have to build relationship by talking and by spending time together. And prayer is that pathway that we use to have relationship with God. We may struggle with prayer because prayer is uh, difficult at times. And uh, we may struggle to have that kind of conversation that is very meaningful. Prayer is something that I think we overcomplicate at times. I think that uh, we would uh, try to make it something that it's not. And so today, in light of that, in light of the fact that we may misunderstand prayer at times, that we may overcomplicate it, I would like to make prayer more simple today. I would like to make prayer simple with some ideas about prayer that will uncomplicate it, but hopefully still make it very meaningful for you. And so I want to give you three reminders today of how the kind of the human posture of our hearts that we have as we go to pray in order that we would pray more simply but more meaningfully. And so let me give you those three prayer reminders, reminders today that I think are inherent to us as disciples. You cannot grow as disciples outside of prayer. It, it's just, it's, it's part again the, of the oxygen of what is needed. So let's get back to some basics and understand some simple things about prayer. All right, here it is. The first simple idea about prayer and the first prayer reminder is get alone. Get alone. I know that that may not sound, you know, real super spiritual, but I mean, this is what is a starting point is to be by yourself. Now, I remember when I grew up, again, this is a number of years ago now, but it was not that hard to be alone. I lived in a rural area. I grew up kind of in a, in a house where I could, you know, see the next house way far away, but I mean, we were kind of by ourselves. We were isolated, and I remember plenty of alone time. I mean, alone time, I, I was raised as an only child too, so there's lots of times in which I was just by myself, just kicking around outside, finding out what I could, you know, explore, or, or I was, I can remember just sitting in a beanbag chair and letting the sun kind of pour in some picture windows, and just kind of sitting there and being for hours on end. That, of course, is not the way that generations operate today. It's much more difficult today to find times that are alone because we are such a plugged-in culture. We have very few times in which we are unplugged. Rare is the time at which we're not listening to something or that we're not texting somebody or we're not watching something. And of course, all that is inherent to the social media that we have, the internet that we have, and I might even say the many mediums of entertainment. Neil Postman wrote a book years ago, the title of the book says it all, and he said the title of the book, Entertaining Ourselves to Death. He wrote that book more than 20 years ago now. <laughs> I think it's more appropriate than it's ever been because there's just so many ways for us to be entertained, and are we literally entertaining ourselves to death? It's uh, some, for, for some, again, this idea of being alone, of being completely without any distraction or any input, you would probably rather eat gravel then have a moment like that because it's just so painful for you because you've had this constant source of information and a source of stimulation that's coming into you at all times. Let me give you an example of this uh, in, in our lives. Denise and I went to California this last summer in order to celebrate my daughter's 30th uh, birthday. And I think I've mentioned that to you before, but this is one of the other things that we did while we were there. We took a canoeing trip down a kayak, actually, a kayaking trip down a river in California. 
And it was glorious. We were out there and we were uh, taking in the water and the sounds of just kind of the flowing water and you see the birds and it was a summer day and it was just kind of starting to get, get warm and so you could kind of feel that warmth and the river just had a flow all by itself. And then it happened. And then it happened. We're making our way, enjoying the time. And off in the distance, there is a kayak that's coming at us. We're going the opposite direction as this other kayak. And the closer it gets, the far, the, the, just the more cacophony of things that are coming from this kayak. This guy had brought his boom box, and he's playing his favorite tunes right onto the you know, river for, all, for everybody to hear. It's like, dude, I mean, I came out here to get away from all that, and you brought the plugged world back into me. And again, that's not my idea of what I wanted from my kayaking trip, but well, here you go. That is what can so happen so easily in our minds and in our hearts is that we uh, avoid solitude because we like that plugged-in feeling. We like that sense of always being stimulated in some way. And one result of that communication, that over-communication perhaps, is that something shrivels in our lives. And the thing that can shrivel is prayer. We can become prayerless people if we're not very careful. There's one thing that we need to uh, do, and that is to uh, have alone time with God. I love the way that one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller, puts it. He wrote a book recently on prayer, and he tells the story. He says, if the doctor said to you, you have a fatal condition, and unless you take the medicine, this medicine every night, from 11 to 11.15, unless you swallow those pills, then you're going to be dead by morning. He said, if that was the case, you would never miss. You would never say, I was too tired, or I didn't get it, or I was watching a movie, or I didn't leave time for that. You would never say that. He said, when people say, I just can't seem to make time to pray, he says, this is what I say to them. Maybe you don't believe you need to pray. And that is a theological, spiritual problem. And there's nothing I can do except to tell you that your heart and mind need to get straight on that. And that's what Keller says. And I think those are, are very valuable words. Prayer is spiritual food that I need. I'm putting that up on the screen behind me. And I want you to say that as an act of just teaching yourself the right thing. One, two, three, here we go. Prayer is spiritual food that I need. That has to get dropped down deep into your soul as something that you must act upon. Now again, I realize in the early portions of time of prayer, you may do that because you know God wants you to do that. But I want it to morph, I want it to change, and I think over time it does, and it changes into something that I have to do, into something that I want to do. There's almost an ache in your soul that says, you know, I want to spend time with my Father in that way, and there's a good thing when we are arriving to that space. Perhaps Hebrews 11:6 says it best, and without faith it's impossible to please God because Anyone who comes in Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so when you're making time to pray, that's two things you're affirming. You're, praying, you're affirming God's there, 
God's there, and you're affirming, you know what? He's promised me that if I come to Him, there's something good that's going to come back to me. There's some reward for my actions here of building relationship with Him, and you can take those to the bank. So we all come to the spot where we need to get alone with God. That's the first thing that has to happen. It's almost a condition of our heart that we're saying, I need to get alone. So I'm encouraging you, schedule it. Uh, get up early uh, in the morning one morning. Uh, go to bed in order that you can do that. Uh, take a lunch break perhaps and go out onto a park bench somewhere and, and pray. Turn off the TV. Uh, t- take out your earbuds. Uh, you know, turn off the phone for a time. Whatever you have to do, getting alone is fundamental to developing a prayer life. And it's something that, again, is very hard to do in our culture today. All right. If get alone is our first one, there's a second one. The second simple prayer reminder is get warm. Get warm. Martin Luther, the great reformer in the 1500s, talked about warming our hearts rather than coming to God in prayer cold, as he called it. And again, I think all of us have come to God in this condition of having a cold heart rather than a warm heart. And the cold heart starts with, hey, here's my prayer list. Here's, you know, quick hit. These are the things I need from you, Lord. And, you know, we all have experienced that. Perhaps we've experienced that in an earthly way. When our kids have come to us, they barged in the door and said, give me the keys. And it's like, you know, no, nothing here of like, hey, Dad, how are you? Hey, what's happening in life? Do you think I can borrow the car? Hey, give me the keys. You know, and so it's very much, let's get to the action because this is what I need to do. And, you know, teens, again, can have that side of them that is impetuous in that way. And we can have that side in prayer of where we're just coming and we're just trying to, 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 to get the action done. The great people of prayer in the past are reminding us that prayer has its aspect of warming up. And one of the ways that you would warm up in prayer, I think there's many, but one of the ways would be through Christian meditation. Now, again, you're going to go, ooh, that sounds kind of spooky. Meditation, I'm not sure, sure about that. Meditation simply means to fix your mind on something, to fix your mind on something, to let it kind of flow over you again and again. Can I give you an example of that? Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if I was going to meditate on that one morning, I'd look at that and I'd let that just kind of roll over me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I might say that several times. And I might say, Lord, wow, that is you. That's you. You, you never failed to exist, and you always will exist. That, ooh, wow, that's very different from me. I'm just but a vapor here. And this is making me just praise you. It's making me honor you, and it's making me come to you, knowing that there's things that you can do that I cannot do. Meditation on that passage is going to help you from becoming distracted because it's fixing your mind on something, and it's also warming up your your prayer time with God so that it's not just so, again, mechanical. Now, again, there's another way that I in my life have gotten warm with God, and it's through my prayer journal. Uh, I know some of you, I, I shouldn't even call it my prayer journal because it's really just my journal. And I know some of you are like, yeah, I've heard you talk about that before. Not all people like to journal, Pastor. You just need to know that. You know, I, I'm, I get it. I mean, I, I, journaling is for some, and I realize it's a struggle for others. But can I talk to you about my journal for just a minute? My journal started off to be a, you know, a real chore for me and a, something I think I kind of wanted to do but maybe felt like I had to do. And there was a transformation that happened somewhere in there where I said, there's nothing that daily I have to do this, so I kind of do it when I want to. And there's also 
nothing that it's a formula. I, there's nothing I have to write on this piece of paper. So my journal ends up being a lot of times me coming to God and saying, this is just where I am. This is what's going on in my life right now. These are some of the problems that I have. These are some of the struggles that I'm facing right now. And God, I just want to pour this out on the paper and I just want you to, you to just know this. And it gets me into the space in which I'm kind of prepared now to interact with God, prepared to talk to Him about the things that really matter. And sure, are there times at which I do write physical prayers in that journal? Yeah, there are. But you can see, again, our, what I want you to hear is that it's just a spot of me coming before God and saying, this is really where I am at this moment. This is how I am at this moment. I might even talk about some of the struggles that I've had spiritually in that journal. I might put down some of my thoughts, like I read to you just earlier. And so again, it's just a spot where I'm warming up. For perhaps Hebrews 4.16 says it the best, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so again, anything that's allowing you to come to the throne of grace with this posture of saying, God, you're there. I have confidence that you're there. You have mercy and grace for me. I have some needs that I'm going to put before you, but I'm wanting a relationship with you because that's what's most important. And that's what warming up is all about, is preparing actually our hearts in order to interact with God. All right, we've had get alone, we've had get warm, and I have one more get, and the third get for today is, the third is get okay. And that's going to take some explaining for me, uh, so just hang tight for just a minute. There are times in our prayer lives where we revel in the closeness we feel with God, and there are other times in which we simply persevere. Galatians 6, 9 says it this way, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And for those of you who know me well, you know that there is one man, I don't know him personally, but I've read uh, his work. His name is Paul Miller, and he's wrote uh, one of my favorite books on prayer called A Praying Life. And Paul Miller has a quote in that book that has helped me in prayer, perhaps more than almost all the other statements that I have. And, And maybe it won't help you in the same way, but man, it's one that I just repeat to myself all the time. This is the quote that is from uh, A Praying Life. Life is both holding hands and scrubbing floors. Now let me translate that to prayer. Prayer is both holding hands and scrubbing floors. What does he mean by that? He means that there are times in which prayer is electric. It's the holding hands moment. It's like, man, I didn't know God could feel so close and I feel so just warm. I feel so encouraged. I'm ready to go on and just, you know, tackle life. God, you're there for me. And there are other times at which, whoo, man, God feels a little distant to me right now. This feels a little bit more mechanical than I really want it to. And he says, those are the days in which you scrub floors. How many of you clean your house when you feel like doing it? Answer, well, uh, oh, a couple of you are faithful enough to raise a hand on that. Most of us don't do that, and most of us know that if we waited until we felt like it, we would probably be wading through two inches of dirt in our house because the feeling of wanting to go just clean, you know, is elusive for most of us. And so again, there's something about prayer in this way of holding hands and scrubbing floors. If you want some examples of that, The Psalms are such a great spot for that because the psalmists are so honest. And I have two Psalms I want to bring to your attention today. One in in contrast, or they're both in contrast, but one is showing this idea of holding hands and the other is showing this idea of scrubbing floors. 
Here's the first one, Psalm 34, verse 4. Both of them, ironically, are, 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 are given to us by David. So it's the same man that's giving us both sides of this. But Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So I sought the Lord and guess what happened? Man, I, was, I went in all tied up in knots and I came out of that time and I was like, God, you're for me. And I, I just had all the fear that just drained away from me and I was able to move on with life. Contrast that with David, same writer, Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And he's showing us there, hey, not all of it is always kumbaya every time I go and pray with God. There are some times in which I'm in despair and I even come away from that time and I don't necessarily feel like I have an answer for that and those are the times in which we are scrubbing floors. Those are the times in which we continue on with that simply because we know that that's something that needs to be done. You need to get okay. You need to be in a place where you can have both aspects of that in your life. Regardless of what answer you feel like you get from God or what emotions that you have, you're going to prayer and sometimes it's this mountaintop, it's awesome, and sometimes it's a valley and you're saying, Lord, I, you're not showing up in the way I want you to, but I know I'm not in control of you and so I'm going to continue at this because I know it's something that you want and I know it's something that's progressing me in my spiritual life. In fact, I probably can't progress with you unless I'm coming in communication with you, even if it's not the way that I want it to be. Prayer is something we need at every stage of our Christian growth. I'm going to put the four chairs back up here again because prayer is needed for every one of those steps. When you're in chair one, you know very little about prayer. But you're beginning to explore Jesus and you're maybe making your first fledgling prayer that you've ever really said out loud. And God cheers every word of that. He's like, oh, that was so good. Thank you. Oh, I love the fact that you've just uttered those words. And he's just throwing this just warm blanket all around you. Chair two, it's the spot at which you're beginning to really now pray in earnest. You're beginning to run into some problems. Because you're going, whoa, it's not as easy as I thought it was. It sounds so easy, but I've got some problems here. And you're making your way through that. And you're, you're deepening your understanding of prayer. And you're having some fits and starts along the way. Prayer chair three is where the, the, the rover's me in the road and saying, Lord, I'm not even praying for myself or even my family now, but I'm praying for some others around me. I'm praying for nations in which they don't know you. I'm praying for my neighbor that doesn't know you. I'm praying for my coworker that doesn't know you. And Lord, would you put the right words in my mouth, the right posture in my heart that I could show love and that I could somehow express your gospel to those individuals. And then finally in chair four, you're not only doing all the things that you did in chairs one, two, and three, but now you're adding some others to it that you're pouring your life into them and you're praying for them that they may grow. So all of the aspects of our spiritual lives and every step of progress is bathed in prayer. Let's face it, we're all tempted to bypass prayer. It just, you know, sometimes we want to just get things done, right? And prayer sometimes appears to be a colossal waste of time. Falsely, we believe that Maybe if we've walked with Jesus long enough, we know enough now and we've cleaned up enough now that I could get by without praying. But that would mean that we forget our dependence upon God and that would mean that we ultimately are forgetting that that's the spot in which our character is really being forged. Prayer is spiritual food that I need and so do you.
To deepen your walk with God, I'm encouraging you this week to plan something in your calendar, to plan a time of prayer. Attempt to give your full attention to God and meet with Him, get alone with Him, get warm with Him, meaning that you're again thanking Him, you're expressing, hey, I'm warming up here, I want to spend some time with you that I know is going to be good for me and, and, and pleasing to you, and then pour out your heart to God, and then get okay. Get okay with whatever response you get and whatever emotion that you have. If you feel warm and fuzzy, then thank God for that. And if you don't feel quite that level of emotion, well, then just say, you know what, Lord? I think I honored you today because the floors needed to be scrubbed, and I did that. And I think that's pleasing to you in some way. Disciples that follow Jesus need prayer for every step of their growth. Let me say that again. Disciples who follow Jesus need prayer for every step of their growth. Lord, we honor you today. Jesus is the perfect example of what it means to uh, walk with his heavenly Father. And we are so grateful that Jesus gives us that example. Uh, Thank you that he suspended some of the aspects of his deity in order that he might demonstrate to us what full dependence upon you looks like and what prayer looks like. Lord, we confess that there are times in our lives in which we've not prayed. And we've not prayed specifically because there's, well, there's little motivation perhaps on the inside of us. Would you change that? Would you change that inside of us in order that we might come to you and that prayer might be more reflexive? It's something we want to do first, not last. And would you reward us, Lord? You say that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. Would you give my brothers and sisters here rewards for their, their small steps of obedience. As some people come to meet with you this week, Lord, I pray that it would be uh, all that you want first, but perhaps that you're answering some of the deepest longings of their hearts as they're doing that. We just tell you, we know that we cannot grow unless we are communicating with you, and we want to do that better and better. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.